Hello. Hey. If you're anything like all of our sports heads uh, listeners out there, I'm sure there's a lot <laughs> you of know you know I am. Yeah, I know you're among them. You're like most <laughs> big into the most it. rabid of football fans, <laughs> but football started up this week in earnest. Uh, first week of NFL games. First, or I guess maybe it's like the second week of college games. But the first week is always kind of like, kind of bullshit. It's like, they, they the big teams literally pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to <laughs> shitty little teams. Yeah, like, oh, we're going to yeah. get you exposure in exchange. We're going to beat the shit out of you on national TV. You know? <laughs> It'll be really fun. Yeah. So aside from that, <laughs> football started up in earnest. And as the manager of the people's team uh, in my fantasy league, just wanted to give you an update on that. I know you guys are <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the edge of your seat. Yeah, my seat. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so my first overall pick ended up being and kind of to my chagrin because I've been burned by this player before due to injuries, <laughs> which is always kind of a weird thing in fantasy. You're like, man, fuck you for getting injured. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's really macabre. Right. It's like, well, yeah, fuck you. I got my leg, you know, my ankle fucking <laughs> messed up or sorry to inconvenience you. Right. Yeah. This is my livelihood. And your $20 this is betting how I make, pool. Yeah. This is how I make money. But <laughs> And your ass is worried about 60 bucks. Anyway, Saquon Barkley, my first pick. I had to do it. He he fell to me. So I was like, okay, fine. Uh, which means I, I got to reboot my team name, which is why I say this is the people's team, uh, the Saquonist Party. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. And so <laughs> we're slated to uh. win unless my opponent... Yeah, we're we're recording this Monday night, so... Unless my opponent can really rack up the points with Gabe Davis of the Buffalo Bills. If it, if it happens, then your comrade's going down. But if not, then I will be all power to the Sequaminist. Yeah. That's really good. That's, I think, the only <laughs> redeeming quality of fantasy football is getting to hear punny team names. Which actually is going to, I think, improve in quality, but degrade in terms of actual originality because of the new thing you can do you can just submit your lineup to chat gpt and say come up with a list of five <gasps> witty oh, names lame come on you gotta put the work in yeah the old way of doing this was just googling fantasy you know funny fantasy team names or whatever and then like looking for ones <laughs> oh, that had players on. that you had oh nobody here likes a writing exercise see i've i've done that i've like looked at them but i've never gone with one i'm just like oh that's kind of funny but a thought starter i thought yeah starter. but this one was an original uh i've also <laughs> right had the Le'Veon falcon for when i had Le'Veon bell Not back bad. when he was a player my first fantasy team name was actually uh donald trump's hair <laughs> why so i asked my commissioner the you know your buddy who puts the league together it's fa his fancy mm -hmm. title I, I was like so what is our do we have like a theme for our names because some leagues do this you know and his his response was utter humiliation or some, okay, something yeah. to this respect i was like okay fine it would be very humiliating to be beaten by donald trump's hair that's true that would be a bad look <laughs> so i picked that we didn't win but <laughs> surprisingly <laughs> Uh, so that's your fantasy football update. I mean, I'm not just, no one cares. I don't, I don't think you care about sports really. 
No. So I'm not going to <laughs> devote any more time to Sports Corner, but... <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Uh, the only reason I like football season is it's when Kyle agrees to make chili, and it's very good, and I get to fall asleep after eating chili. Like That's really the goal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say it does also, give, in addition to just being a football fan, uh, the closest I get to kind of having the same mm, thought patterns and concerns and stuff that you and your design friends have is about football. I'm... Mm. I have super strong opinions about uniforms and, and equipment and shit like that. Of Like, oh, that looks horrible. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fun, too. I like when they, I like when a team updates their color scheme to be cool. I'm like, whoa, didn't see that coming. Right, yeah, it's, a, it's their villain arc sometimes or their glow up sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's so many. They just have these, like, muddy colors, just, like, really, just, ugh, just sad colors. Yeah, to me, the biggest offense, and hopefully, if we do have any uh, football fans out there that are, uh, hopefully I make you, uh, actually, I don't hope this, because it's kind of bad if you end up actually always seeing this when it happens. (laughs) I might infect you with that idea. But when a team has gray face masks, but -hmm. they don't have gray in their color scheme, it's like my pet peeve. Why did you do this? The reason is that old school helmets used to only have gray face masks everyone had it but now uh, now you can paint that shit like paint it something good like that's a good point missed opportunity yeah it just looks oh bad. yeah lazy design yeah so now you'll notice that every time you, you know, <laughs> see a team like that like, what are you doing sure thing <laughs> anyway <laughs> let's talk about communism let's talk about communism what did you bring to our little communist table First, I had a, a weird incident in Chicago. Okay. The X-Files theme started playing in my head without any prompting. <laughs> it's uh, significantly less otherworldly. Uh, oh, although damn. the group at the center of it is supposedly pretty weird, there's mixed feelings about them on the left in recent years. Uh, but the group at the center of it is is the Revolutionary Communist Party. Okay. I mean, that sounds good. It does uh, sound good, uh, but they're, they're centered around one Bob Avakian, uh, who is kind of controversial. I, I don't know the details as to why like people don't like him. People kind of claim, oh, he's too like cult of personality-y, or kind of diverged into a weird... Mm. You know, everyone in, on the left likes to call each other either revisionists or uh, <laughs> Stalinists or whatever, you know, so... Lots of, lots of these things that people don't like his particular sect. So it'd be okay. interesting to look into them a little bit more in the future. But apparently, uh, like a, a group of around 20 communists belonging to Revolution Club Chicago, which is, I guess, they're like local friends of the party sort of thing, went to a Jason Aldean concert. Oh, not like okay. in this audience. <laughs> funny. Like a, <laughs> they bought tickets. Right. They were just there. They took pictures. It was a fun <laughs> they time. They just had signs. <laughs> yeah. No, they went there, you know, so he was the guy that was like, he had the song, Try That in a Small Town, that one. He did. So they went out there to his concert and burned an American flag. I think they burned <laughs> two of them over the course of their protest demonstration there. Uh, this is from the New York Post, so it's going to, you know, Oh, great. Kind of really trump up as much as it. This was on other outlets, too. But this is apparently (laughs) where it came from. And just give him credit. 
shouting phrases like fuck the U.S. and all its might, calling Jason Aldean a piece of fascist shit, and saying, guess what, Jason, we will try that in a small town, we will try that in a big city, (laughs) and we will try it right in front of your concert. Damn, okay. So, and I don't know the order of things, how this happened, but the pictures that I'm seeing show kind of a police presence around. The story doesn't say that they were like there to protect them, but they're kind of posted around in the background of the pictures. But the story uh, emphasizes kind of the conflict between the two groups that law enforcement quickly descended on the protest, announcing by megaphone that they were an unlawful assembly and had to disperse. And basically they just kind of, you know, yelled at him for a while. The group burned another flag before finally leaving. Uh, but but the, the cops were threatening to use chemical or less lethal conditions to against them to disperse. So eventually they do leave. The term less lethal right. is fun. Yeah, that's a, well, that's <laughs> a great euphemism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fuck you up, but I won't kill you. Yeah. And apparently, aside from being flipped off a few times, the group did not run into any altercations with Aldean's fans during the protest and flag burning. Wow. I mean, doesn't seem like a very useful like way to spend your time, I guess, is what I would say. You don't think that was the spark? That was the uh, July days <laughs> that would kick it all off? The, the, the I don't think so. Petrograd strike? I don't think you're winning any hearts and minds over there. I think, I think you're done. Not exactly the most fertile of grounds to to be sowing. And then not maybe the best approach. <laughs> Fuck the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that seems, that seems like just a bummer way to spend a day, honestly. <laughs> Outside a country concert? Yeah, getting yelled at. The RCP USA, though, does have a cool logo. Show me that logo. It's got a cool logo. IMO. You might think it sucks, but I think it's cool. <laughs> what if I'm like, this is the worst? It's pretty good. I don't like the outline on it. You think it's too jagged, right? Uh, no, no, no. Just like there's a weird like white, off-white outline. Do you see it? Oh, I see. Yeah, I had to hover over the, mm. the file to get the little checkerboard thing to show. But no, I like it. I think it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty sick. Oh, like a rifle point with a bayonet on it and on the bayonet is the rcp flag the star is like wiggly which is funny because it's waving with the flag but then the rcp is just like straight yeah you they really no (laughs) i don't think they should have gone wiggly with that yeah this is a b just stylized yeah just had it straight you know that would have been good they could simplify the jaggedness and yeah cut cut out the wiggly star yeah, they apparently, one of their criticisms is that they were slow to fix their outdated um, LGBT stance. Uh, we've talked about this on the show before, that different Marxist-Leninist states didn't do good yeah. you know, on that question. And, 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 you know, kind of falsely put out a line that it was, you know, a, a bourgeois, decadent sort of thing and, and criticized on these grounds. Uh, totally. and, they, and they did that. Uh, they didn't... Uh, and their stance against homosexuality till 2001, far too late. <laughs> That's pretty late. Wow. So, but I mean, they're apparently, you know, correct about it now. But anyway, I thought that was kind of wild. It's not like a huge that is deal. That nuts. Just <laughs> really random. 
just a weird tack to take. Like, all right, man, go for it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, probably <laughs> listener is not the best use of your time. Let's be honest. I would agree. I would agree. I'm not like mad at them for existing or whatever, but like, I don't know. You probably do something good for the community instead. <laughs> uh, what else is happening in the world? We're recording on September 11th, so there's this Twitter user who every year reposts a series of political cartoons that came out right afterwards, and they're just crazy bonkers town. Like bloodthirsty stuff? Oh, super, super Warhawk, super racist, just like, woohoo, a lot of really inaccurate drawings of turbans happening. It was yeah, totally fun. It was like so mainstream to do anti-Arabic racism stuff mm-hmm. that the fucking Bush administration had to go out there and be like, please don't attack Arab people in the streets and stuff. Like, that's how crazy it was, you know? Dude, yeah, totally. It was... It was a weird fucking time to be alive. <laughs> there was the story going around that was has was at the time and then intermittently afterward repeatedly had to be debunked again and again of, oh, you know, there were people, you know, cheering. There were like Arabic people cheering mm, yeah, on yeah. and stuff like that. Um, it was just, <laughs> it was ridiculous and it was... It wasn't ridiculous to me at the time because I was a kid, so I didn't mm-hmm. like get it. But like, it's it's one of those things that you you absorb it, and then you can look back and be like, "What the fuck was happening?" Yeah, yeah. I think looking at those cartoons was an interesting way to see the kind of mainstream culture around security and around racism and around just nationalism and. Mm-hmm. It was it was weird. Proto fascism. Like, I mean, stuff. it was it was. Uh, here is the enemy. They've you know stricken a deadly blow, but they're you know actually vermin. So let's go exterminate them. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, yeah, it was totally. Classic like victim but superior. Totally. Yeah. There's so many depictions of of like the Taliban as like snakes or rats and like all this stuff. It's like, buddy. Well, you know. However terribly you describe them, uh, you made them, so... <laughs> you kind of did it, so... <laughs> Go see our episode on and Afghanistan. That's like, I know I've looked at that thread before, but this time I went looking for, like, okay, did anyone have a halfway good take here, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but no. No. No good takes, pretty much, to be found. Oh, the the funniest ones were the ones that were, like, uh, there <laughs> this one... It was like a an American soldier all like geared up and like stepping forward, like doing his thing. And then and there was like the war on terrorism. And then the next panel was like the war at home. And it was like a shopper like holding all this stuff because like they were trying to get people to go buy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, though, George W. Bush famously told people to fight the terrorists. You need to go to the shopping mall. Otherwise they win. Insane. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> they were worried the whole thing was cratering. You know? And so, like, uh, it's two sides of a coin, I guess, because, you know, all the, all the, what you're talking about, like, kind of that proto-fascism war hysteria and what that allowed them to do, how quickly they were able to pass the Patriot Act, you know, soup up the uh, military budget, give so much, so much power to the president to wage war however he wanted to, broad authority. Uh, all that stuff happening so fast 
to me gives credit or uh, makes it more understandable why people question how much knowledge people had about the hijackers and things uh, beforehand. Uh, really, that sort of element of, of conspiratorial, the, the reason that fuels, you know, that that is so easily fueled by people and, and why they're so kind of drawn to it. To me, it makes more sense why they're drawn to it, given what, you know, that the U.S. then starts just like hyper doing these very, you yeah, know, right-wing. Yeah, you're like, how could you guys not know? You you seem extremely powerful. Right, yeah, this helped you a lot. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's crazy, Bush didn't like really come out here with that sort of a foreign policy or anything. He wasn't focused on that. I mean, he was just focused on like cutting taxes and, you know, uh, doing a vague compassionate conservatism, whatever that meant. And then it ends up being this war president. But yeah, that so so that's one side of it. But the other side of it is how clearly scared they were too. Like they, that's that's to me the discrediting part of like, okay, yeah, it's probably true that people bungled shit and they covered up some of the bungles and stuff. I, but it does seem to me like they they were so like at wit's end in their reaction. You know, they did think, oh yeah, the, the economy is going to crater. You know, they, they were worried about huge systemic things crashing down <laughs> so i don't think they really were pulling the trigger or letting the trigger be pulled on this but maybe i mean yeah when you look at the comparison between the fear around people not wanting to go to public spaces like that same thing happened with covid too of like we can't shut down concerts we can't shut down you know shopping malls and all these things like because we've talked about like public spaces are now a private good. So like they have to keep those going. Yeah. And they similarly, they initially did. I mean, they were initially were like, Nope, no flights, nothing. Absolutely zero, Mm -hmm. you know, lock it down till we know what's going on. But then, you know, how long can that last in a capitalist system? You know, (laughs) not long at all. Oof. The reason I brought it up though, was because there is another anniversary on September 11th, and that would be the... The OG 9-11. <laughs> the OG 9-11, if you will, uh, which is the 50th anniversary of the U.S.-backed coup, uh, overthrowing one Salvador Allende. Yes. 1973. There were apparently relatively new documents that confirmed that the Nixon administration knew days before the coup was going to happen that you know about it and everything Mm -hmm. Uh, we reported you know uh, on this on basically saying probably uh but it wasn't technically confirmed but they do actually have documents on that now that yeah for sure (laughs) yeah i guess 50 years is when the juicy stuff starts coming out (laughs) yeah enough of the people except for henry kissinger who's still alive just so you know Um, but most of the people involved are dead uh there were some protests on the anniversary this year it looks like like in in Washington and Chile? And... No, in Chile. Okay. So you had protesters who were confronting the notorious anti-riot police who are called the Carabineros. Um, and they had protesters at uh, Allende's grave. And there were conflicts between them, including tear gas. I'll let you guess who threw that. And yeah, so apparently the president... Gabriel Boric was like mm-hmm. initially kind of lefty. 
Yeah, like, he's kind of left, and he initially joined the protest, but distanced himself, like, once it got violent. Mm -hmm. So, kind of a weak move. (laughs) Yeah, He said, I categorically condemn these events, and threatening that the protesters involved must face the rule of law. What did they do? Did they kill somebody? Here, oh, here we go. I've got this now. Uh, the protester confronted the police with Molotov cocktails, rocks, and anything else they could get their hands on. So a typical French protest. Yeah, you know, just some <laughs> basic French shit. Yeah, your, your baseline <laughs> French labor strike. Yeah, so still a dicey topic, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, because the country then underwent so long of a time under Pinochet, you know, and, and and, I mean, you've got people alive that were supporters of, you know, of his regime and everything that are walking around free, you know, and, and he was never really brought to justice. It was only starting whenever he died. It's an open wound. It's something that they're still, I think, in Chile kind of living in the wreckage of, of that, that they had this glimmer of hope that was, just you know gunned down in front of them and then neoliberalism came in and (laughs) stripped them dry yeah and a neoliberalism with a kind of nakedly martial face like because it was it was a coup it was this military backed thing junta you know it was in your face it was we're not really fascist because we're not doing the real signs and stuff but like (laughs) But if you say the wrong thing, you will disappear. Right. Yeah. And which is pretty fash. <laughs> right. It was not, uh, I guess neoliberal to me evokes more of a business suits and, and kind of like a Bill Clinton mm. type of thing. And yeah. I think that yeah. this was a, just had sharper teeth, you know? That's true. Yeah. I don't mean to uh, characterize it that way. I guess I meant more in terms of like getting all of their social services ripped out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On our end, stuff. we were doing the neoliberalism and just like <laughs> hoovering up the country's natural mm-hmm. resources. Now that we put, you know, a thug in power that would do our bidding. That's kind of what it's all about. I did come across a cool article and it was, I was like really sad that I missed it. And then therefore you guys all missed it. Uh, <laughs> there is a, there's a guy um, Pablo Castro Zamorano, who is a a designer and an artist uh, in Chile, who was interviewed in Jacobin because he had compiled a essentially like a Spotify play, a digital like library of music from 1973 from, that would that was uh, from the uh, industry, the radio y televisión, the IRT, the radio and television industry, uh, which was basically when the government, when Allende's government took over RCA, like the American recording record label thing there, uh, and said, we're going to make like a domestic record label. (gasps) That's sick. Yeah. And, and, you know, part of it was we're going to manufacture, you know, because that was it, you know, you'd make the radios, Mm -hmm. you'd make the TVs and stuff. We're going to make, you know, socialist radios and TV. Hell Uh, yeah. And part of that was a record label too, if we're going to, you know, have national you know artists from here instead of paying tons of money to get stuff from from overseas we're gonna make our own music for our own people you know put that out there and play that for people so like he compiled like a library of their recordings and it was like a 20 something kind of hour set of music 
it, that they started playing. They put it, put it live, the entire discography, on nonstop. Uh, but they set the cutoff date because it wasn't a real radio station. It kind of like sounds like one, you know, it kind of fades in and all mm-hmm. that. Uh, but they put the cutoff date at September 11th <sighs> when the coup uh, happened to just be like, wow, that was that. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sad that I missed out on that because it sounds awesome. And he talks about great. how like eclectic it was and everything. It wasn't just like folk songs where there's like, computer like electronic type music experimental Mm. stuff all over the place so that sounds amazing do they have like an archive of it still up somewhere i don't know uh i didn't see anything in initial search but that's i'm not seeing anything no i can't figure it out but bummer it would be cool if they went back and (laughs) put some of that on there but yeah that was it was interesting yeah that's awesome what else is going on uh, they uncovered the Cuban government, uncovered some ne'er-do-wells or something, trying to traffic people, young men, to uh, out of Cuba uh, to Russia to fight in, uh, in the Russian army or mercenaries Whoa. or something. What? Yeah, Cuban authorities said they had arrested 17 people on charges related to a ring of human traffickers allegedly luring young Cuban men to serve in the Russian military amid the Ukraine conflict. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, The article kind of emphasizes in sort of an archaic kind of Cold War way, oh, Cuba and Russia have been close since the Cold War, and it's like, well, that's a different country by now, but still, uh, they're kind of saying like, oh, this is a rare rift between these countries, I guess. But uh, it said the group's leader relied on two people residing on the island to recruit Cubans to fight for hire on behalf of Russia and Ukraine. They're, but they're, Damn. they're saying, yeah, they'd be punished up to 30 years in prison, a life sentence, or the death penalty. Jeez. Wow. Okay, Cuba. Yeah. Uh, for human trafficking, fighting as a mercenary, and hostile action against a foreign state, which, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're basically yeah, that's bad. coming in and trying to steal their people. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Jeez. I wonder why they tried Cuba. Yeah, I mean, they they obviously have some diplomatic ties and stuff like that. Uh, I I don't know the what the reasoning is there versus versus other. I mean, you would think that maybe people who are more likely to speak the language for one, or like are closer. <laughs> yeah, it's easier. To, you know, no idea. But Cuba was like, "Fuck that." <laughs> yeah, no thanks. I'm gonna pass on that one. I thought that was crazy. So, I mean, getting it from all sides, Cuba, first strangled by the United States perpetually, then Russia's over here trying to vulture people. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, that's that's fucking weird. Always, I don't know, uh, I always feel like I sound like a Cuban fanboy, but I just... <laughs> I, I feel that way, too. <laughs> I'm like, there's like a country that's not really actively doing evil... I don't know. <laughs> that sounds cool. Can we do that? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, are yeah. they getting it right every time? Absolutely not. But come on. Like, they're trying, yeah. which is more than you can say for most countries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw a graph on, on Twitter that was like showing the, 
like exponentially differing rates between like rent and household income, mm. just like one one going way the fuck up and one like going way the fuck down or barely staying the same, yeah. Yeah. Barely trudging along and <laughs> it was uh I mean definitely tweeted in the context of like this is why capitalism sucks and so like going into the comments was fun because it's just like a bunch of people throwing themselves in front of the bullet of like, no, let me explain <laughs> how housing works to you. Like, I love capitalism. <laughs> just like, a- just a bunch of people just like, just trying to mansplain their way through, through housing being total shit. How the hell were they justifying that to themselves? Like, and what? I mean, a lot of people were like, oh, there's this one guy's like, why didn't you show the median? The median's way more useful. Like there's always a stats guy that has to talk to you about why medians are more important. <laughs> but what would the like shouldn't someone have just been like well here's the median <laughs> <laughs> it's also bad right it would be like oh yeah that is two percent not as bad <laughs> <laughs> right uh and then you know if this one this is a great oh great uh twitter name too classical liberal caucus wow that's six great people name. that's not a caucus that's not no a one's thing. a classical liberal if you want to know why people have lost faith in capitalism it's because for the last 30 years, anti-capitalists have worked tirelessly to prohibit capitalists from building housing. As a result, there isn't enough housing. Okay. <laughs> there isn't enough housing. That is true. That people can afford? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the solution that capitalism would be offering is, let's make more housing for people with money to afford it. Like, yeah, capitalism is not out there saying, damn, you know what we need? More low rent housing. <laughs> That's not more what subsidized doing. housing. Capitalism is absolutely not clamoring to do that. Now he does have a point about like NIMBYs and stuff, saying like, "Oh, we can't build affordable units anywhere because that's the bad element or whatever." You know, racist and classist stuff they do. Yeah, but that's not he. He this person would not actually be opposed to. People we can doing assume that. he. <laughs> <laughs> We uh, can just assume E, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, okay, fine. As a man, we're generally on <laughs> the bad side of things. We're generally the bad guys. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it's just, it's that disingenuous thing of like, but that wasn't real capitalism. Is you know, oh, people are getting in our way. You know, the government and the regulation and all this stuff is mm-hmm. preventing us from being the real good guy capitalist that we promise you we would be. If you just gave us all the power. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like the Lex Luthor approach to <laughs> capitalism. Just let me be in charge. <laughs> we'll do everything just great. Let us turn this place into Dubai. It's going to be great. It'll be one big company town. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, truly, truly. I just don't get how you can defend that of like, oh, yeah, that's that's how house it. Even if you say that's how housing works, to then make take the next like take a breath and utter with your mouth, and that's good. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you don't see an issue, right? Yeah, <sighs> <laughs> yeah. I just I don't understand the millions of people willing to like throw down on like oh let me like finagle your statistics or you know completely blame the other direction like you were saying. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. No, it's it's an argument from a particular class perspective. I mean, like the implicit argument, 
when people say things like that is that certain groups of people, the economy works for them and it's good for that. And that's the purpose of it. And certain group of people are certain groups of people are kind of non people of like, you don't have to worry about them. You don't have to worry about people who drive Uber for a living, who cares where they live. You don't have to worry about people who work in fast food, people who work in retail, people who do the things that make your economy actually run and, you know, provide services for people. Not to worry about them because who cares? Like, I mean, they'll, they'll yeah, commute. You definitely don't have to worry about other countries. Like, don't think about that, please. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause we're talking about like the oppressed groups within the labor aristocracy of the whole world, uh, which is the United States and Western countries. But yeah, if you zoom out, then you're like, oh yeah, you don't have to worry about the person who, you know, is a child mining the lithium for your batteries. Like you don't have to worry about people sold into literal slavery to provide for you like cheap fucking treats. You know, don't 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 think about that that's fine uh because what we're thinking about is this market you know this housing market is you know it's it's going up in value and that means that the good people who can afford to get into the housing market will gradually make money they'll build wealth they'll provide for their uh family and that is a good thing because it builds a broad middle class like that's the argument i i assume i really have not read this person's tweet but i can <laughs> distill it down as to the only way you could characterize that but what is that you know that just leaves out i think a vast numbers of regular americans who don't have access to getting onto what they call in you know the uk and stuff like the housing ladder our version of it is just home ownership uh the vast numbers of americans kept out of that for one. And then of course you mentioned the global South that, that, that who's upon whose backs all of that rests. I'd be really curious to see like, what is even our percentage of home ownership at this point? Because it just feels increasingly out of reach. Uh, let's see. During the fourth quarter of 2022 home ownership rate in the U S was 65.9%. That's more than I thought it would be. It's gotta be a lot of old people though. Well, it's also people who own, it doesn't say like owning homes as your primary residence. I don't, well, but then you're just counting people, right? You're not counting number of homes that are owned. You would count. I assumed that would be the you're case. You're a person. Yeah. Do you own a home or do you not? And then. Yes or no. <laughs> your percentage of Not people. how many. Right. Yeah. This this home is owned versus. You're, you're twice as much of a person now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have the three-fifths clause, but for home ownership. <laughs> for home ownership. God, it feels like we're pretty close to that sometimes. Uh. It's decreased. Okay, so it's it's actually relatively safe. In 1960, for example, uh, 65.2% of American households own their, wow. own, own their own home. It just, I don't know. It feels like to me, like culturally, it was this thing that people were able to do by the time they turned 30. And now like a lot of my friends cannot do that. Well, <laughs> I think the reason one of the statistical things that is going into this is that people are living longer so mm. more, there are more like you said more old people in homes so as younger generations are coming up it's taking us longer to get into home ownership but that's offset by the old people taking longer to die who are still so, chilling yeah. yeah so that, that we haven't seen the fall off that there were, that will happen when they can't keep living and they do end up dying and then we repoll and it's like oh now we're at fucking 50 because none of the uh none of them you know younger millennials none of the well i think it's probably a millennial thing too but we're kind of almost escaped from it i guess like yeah. a lot of millennials just got in in time i guess but, but gen z and barely 
Yeah. Uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot because, I mean, it's still divided on class lines. But Totally, yeah, yeah. Gen Z is looking at it like, homes? <laughs> with what? <laughs> yeah, with, with what? Imaginary money. How's that going to work? Yeah. Ugh. But it's just, it's gouging. I mean, it's again saying, like, why should we pay you? I mean, Marx studied this. And, well, economists of his time really studied, and he built upon that of this idea of, like, it, essentially what you're paid, what workers are paid is the kind of the social reproductive cost of the working class of just, like, you know, we, we don't actually have to pay you enough to own a house. That was a... It's like keeping farm animals alive, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's do we do we need to give the, you know, the pigs a very fancy stall, or can they just, like, muck about into some place and we get the same amount from them you know we, we don't need to uh, th- and and then we're left with the question of well how did workers get this deal to where you could work like one person in the family single income household and afford a house easily and afford vacation once a year and all this and the reason was that that generation and maybe the previous one that the social contract had been worked out where they terrified the people in charge into giving them that much into giving them more than they really, you know, needed to, to keep them alive because <laughs> the exchange was the other way around by that point that you're giving this us yes. to us so that we keep you alive. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. I want them to be the scared farm animals. Yeah. Uh. And now we're back in the immiserated world uh, that, that Marx was writing in. I mean, now we're back in, in essentially the, the, uh, you know, kind of the, the Victorian, uh, industrial age, gilded age type of thing where it's, you know, street urchins and chimney sweeps and everything oh, yeah. of like just, but, but that, but that's your, you know, those are the, the service workers now. And those are the, the extractive workers in the global South and everything. And, and the people further down the supply chain that you don't think about, those are the new, you know, chimney sweeps and, and child laborers and all that. And well, I mean, now we just have child. We also have that. new ones. <laughs> yeah. 2.0. Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's because I think the decline of the strength of labor unions is, is the big when 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 Reagan took them over his over his knee and broke their backs. Since then, you've seen worsening and worsening conditions for workers on in terms of power, I would say in terms of like maybe, you know, all the little dweebs will come out of the corner and say, but look, everyone has all this technology and look, everyone, you know, their <laughs> lifespans are increasing to an extent uh, and it depends on who you're looking at. It depends on who you are, Jesus. Yeah, you know, but they'll come out and say, oh, look, but all these advances capital. Okay, sure. Yeah, but like the worker, the worker power dynamic is certainly, I think, shittier than it was if you look at the 60s, 50s, beyond before then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm reading... Surveillance capitalism, by the way, I got to read a lot because I was sick this week. <laughs> so yay, but boo, <laughs> yay, but boo. I'm like a little over halfway through now. I'm getting to the juicy parts, but yeah, they definitely talk about that lack of uh, what is it called? It's called like double movement or something. Basically, when you have enough of of a labor movement and of like civil liberties being like actually cared about that you can kind of push back some of these like worse features of capitalism. Mm -hmm. 
you know, they put it really like succinctly in that book of, of, you know, like asking them to self-regulate and to like, you know, be nice (laughs) for the sake of being nice, which is like often what these companies like try to say they'll do like, oh, like it's in our best interest to, you know, be ethical because we want our customers to like us. And it's like, it's like asking them to, you know, fundamentally change who they are. You know, there's a line like it's asking a giraffe to shorten its neck. Like it's not going to fucking happen. (laughs) Yeah. And to the extent that they do that, they might be rewarded by shareholders who are like, actually concerned about that but most shareholders are not no no <laughs> like that's just not their job yeah you know like the same way you figure out once you're an adult that like hr is not there to protect you like they're there for the company mm-hmm. same thing like companies aren't there to help you like you are the means to an end yeah they are there to invent from whole cloth a mission or vision statement about how oh we're improving the world we're improving people's experience with whatever. Connecting companies right. and clients. And, uh, well, fucker, if you could get this by like skinning people, you would do that. like. That. <laughs> and you'd find a way to make it sound very motivational. Yeah, we're, we're looking to liberate people from the flesh they were born into, into a brave, new, more, far more breezy uh, existence. I don't know. I'm picturing like, yeah, just you know the human butcher factory website and but there's still a tab like our values right (laughs) that is just (laughs) like a machine like a potato peeler or something for people (laughs) (laughs) there's just like fucking human carcasses hanging from hooks on like the front page like splash page Mm -hmm. but like they're in the top right like it's our vision it's got very nicely yeah someone's like (laughs) smiling in a pristine white like apron and stuff (laughs) a lab coat yeah Yeah, like we only use the highest standards when we're Making your human butcher meat. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. Yeah, you're right. They're not they're not there for you. And it's uh, we make this point again because I think it's I think it's kind of at the uh, close to the heart of demystifying things, you know. And, and especially when you're talking to people who aren't you know yet on the left, one of the things that I think pushes people into baby socialism and stuff is just the, uh, the the pointlessness of so many of the things that we do in a capitalist economy. Like there's a story in the Wall Street Journal this week uh, about, uh, surprise, surprise, health insurers are overcharging themselves for, <laughs> Sorry, what? for medicine. So <laughs> uh, basically like, so CVS Health and Cigna, they were looking at different medications that they, that they buy they set the price from the drug manufacturers and stuff. Right. And so they're like, okay, but what they were looking at was generics. Generics is supposed to be cheap. So basically the, uh, the way the racket works is that the pharmaceuticals say, Oh, we went through all the trouble. We spent all the money on the research and development. So we should get a patent. We should have a racket on this for a little bit. There's a period of time where their patent is in effect, where they're the only game in town. And if you want to live, or if you want to have your disease treated, then you have to pay their exorbitant prices. I didn't realize that's... I mean, I knew generics, like, yeah, it's a non-name brand shit. Like, yeah, I'm on the Escipolepitram, whatever. Mm-hmm. The name brand of... The generic brand of Lexapro, that's my shit. Yeah. But, so like you're saying, like, if I had taken it when Lexapro came out, I would have to pay full price, basically. You have to basically. pay Lexapro prices until what the that fuck? gate came down, and then the generics... Yeah, they were they're banned for a while until 
they make enough money. It's not a money amount, but still, unless until enough time happens uh, to where the patent runs out and then generics can start doing their thing. That is nasty. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just like there's an acceptable amount of time where people could die because they can't afford this medicine, but we have to do that to, you know, make sure that the <laughs> pharmaceutical executives get That's enough so stuff. Gross. That's so fucking gross. Yeah. Like, explain to me how charging for healthcare is like. Anything less than a sloping curve of eugenics, you know? It isn't. And economists will actually <laughs> admit this to you if you can talk them into the corner. So because <laughs> so this is their basic argument, right? They will say, uh, this is like econ 101. If you're going to get to econ, you know, you're still, you know, in school, you'll get to econ, you'll learn this. They will teach you this in econ. And if you've already had it, you've probably forgotten it because econ's not I a very exciting class it. for most people. It sucked. But the big lesson to start out econ is economics is about scarcity. Yes, so I knew that one. There's not enough shit, <laughs> but, and there's too many people wanting all the shit. How do you allocate the shit? And so there's different theories, right? You know, us communists were like, well, let's, let's share it. Right. But that's quickly said, that's stupid. You know, that's going to lead to bad things. Don't do that. That's stupid. Uh, we're going on to cool things, which is, well, let's allocate it based on who can best afford it. Who is willing to, uh, in there, in, you know, in, in the, in the classical economist sense, who will do some work to, to be compensated in, in a thing that, that can, that you can trade for value. Basically who will provide the most value for that thing, essentially an auction, right? And you, so you can set a price and say, if this is this valuable to you, then you can have it. If it's not, then you can't. And so this is a way to cut out a certain amount of people. And so if you take that to medicine, right? And you say, well, is this, is, is your, you know, health is your life? How much is your life worth? Right. Is it worth it to you? Cause we're only distributing it to the people who can afford it, which, which, I guess from the privileged economist perspective is, are you willing to pay? But for regular people is, can, you know, can you pay? And if you can't, you're just locked out for being too poor. And they'll have to yeah. admit it to you. Like when, you know, that's their own thought experience. That's their own like idea of prices is keep out people who can't or won't pay the amount. Yeah. And that kills people. Like there's mm -hmm. data on like, how being poor shortens your lifespan. Like, right. and there's several, you know, hundreds of examples of that, of people not being able to afford medication, uh, people with disabilities. That's a really bad bind to be in because like you physically can't work enough hours to like be in a comfortable position. But if you get married and you want to do that, like you might lose your benefits. Like there's just like mm. so many hoops to jump through. Um, in terms of like financial stability for a disabled person. Yeah. That's just like, you're left like, what do I do? Because I don't know that, that model seemingly, you know, as, as a senior in high school or whatever in econ 101, it makes some sort of intuitive sense. And also like culturally that you were brought up to think it makes some intuitive sense. Yeah. But you're thinking in terms of potato chips you're thinking in terms yeah, of you're like, thinking abstract well you're thinking in terms of something that's not crucial right most people when it comes down to hey but yeah but what about 
being alive. Like everyone should be able to get to do that, right? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, you know. But you know, then it's like the details of that of like, okay, well, so housing, uh, uh, medicine, and stuff. Ah, oh, well, you can't give stuff away for free, but it's like, but you want people to be alive, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like there's just no talking them out of it, and it's. Or, you know, they'll give you mealy mouth shit of like, oh, I guess we could do a little bit of, of public safety net, but like not much at all. No, it, and <laughs> but, but also I hate it. It also ties around on the other end because they get into that conundrum and then they will they will flip it around to what they really mean, which is, yeah, we do need, you know, we, we do want people to be alive. We don't want to let them like have the stuff for free because we want to force them to jump through our hoops to earn their living, mm-hmm. as the expression goes, to earn their ability to stay alive uh, by doing work for us that we will siphon off, you know, big chunks of it to buy yachts and stuff. <laughs> That's what makes the machine run. But the drug thing I was mentioning, not just we got off on the tangent of the generic stuff, uh, but they were yeah, looking yeah. at these generic drugs. Right. And. The cases they were looking at with Cigna and CVS and I think United Health Group also, they were they were looking at how much they were uh, paying for drugs from their like wholesale pharmacies. And they were paying tons and tons of money more so really than they needed to be, even for generics. So they compared it with uh, with Cuban pharmacy. Uh, which is actually like owned by Mark Cuban, the Mark Cuban cost plus drug okay. farm, uh, drug company. Oh yeah. I've heard about this, uh, which basically it's uh, it buys generic drugs from manufacturers, sells them online for 15% profit market plus $10 in shipping and pharmacy labor fees. Okay. So it's kind of like kind of low, right? Yeah. Uh, across the board. And so they look at CVS, Cigna and United healthcare. And these guys are at times paying more than a hundred times. <gasps> what the Cuban pharmacy is paying for it. Why? How? Because in those instances, they are buying them the, so that, you know, the, uh, they're, they're vertically integrated. So they're buying it from themselves, from their parent company, <laughs> the same parent company. So they're just like <laughs> siphoning money up. They're just like, Oh, this oh is my fun. God. And why? Oh, so why can they do that? Because patients will have deductibles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, for the first chunk of that money that you're exorbitantly charging your customers for, they're on the hook for it. And so you don't have to pay it and, you know, pay this fictional money that you're paying to yourself till their uh, deductible runs out. And even so, they're still on the hook for 20% of it. So the bill that you're, you know, sending up the sending up is partially being paid by your, your patient. And then whatever else you're, you know, having to pay you just don't because you're the same company right oh my god so it's just a way to milk your uh that's insane yeah (laughs) what the fuck how is any of this legal well uh the spokespeople all came out and said oh come on come on you cherry picked the data uh you know oh we don't really have you tried the median (laughs) right yeah they they did the same thing but like the examples uh cigna charges roughly 66 hundred dollars a month for Gleevec, uh, which is a sounds like some sort of alien species. Definitely an alien. <laughs> it is a cancer generic drug. CVS Health charges more than seven thousand dollars a month for that. United Health can charge two hundred and eighteen dollars a month. Jesus. Same drug. 
But since it comes from them, the they're f- just like extra <laughs> extra six thousand. Why not? What are we, what are we doing? You're just ripping people off. There's a multiple sclerosis therapy drug called Tecfidera. $54 a month through the Cuban pharmacy. $1,200 through United Health. Wow. How many people are just paying that? Yeah. You know, because they don't have a choice. Yeah, that's their insurance's price for it. They have to suffer through it at least till they get to the deductible number. You know, or they don't, or the worst op- worst option is they just there. I can't pay that, and they they don't mm-hmm. pay it, and then your little economics lesson comes into play of oh well, we ad- adequately allocated this scarce resource by saying <laughs> that this broke ass mug couldn't couldn't buy it, and so yeah, you know he loses a foot because his diabetes got so bad, you know, or oh he, he's you know his cancer treatment and stuff is not going to go as well as he thought, and he's going to have fewer months <sighs> to live. You know, that's that's going to be the harsh but unfortunately necessary reality of your economic experiment. Did you see there was this, um, I don't remember the brand, but there was a scandal a couple of years ago where, I don't know if it's a scandal, scandal, it makes it sound much like like somebody did something about it. But uh, <laughs> um, there's this medication and it was in the form of eye drops and people end up wasting about half of it because the drops that come out of it are too fucking big for the human eye. Hmm. And like somebody like looked into it and they're like, yeah, you could just fix this. Like you could just like do a different dropper, but like they weren't because they wanted people to run out faster. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. It's just, the profit motive just necessarily is evil. Like there's not a way around it. It becomes increasingly evil the closer you get to, like, necessities of life. You can say, like, okay, yeah, you're buying a art print or something. <laughs> you know, clearly this person wasn't under labor, whatever. You know, wasn't under, you know, exploitive conditions because it's themselves. Although I would say a lot of artists work themselves way too hard. Well, and, you know, that gets into the question of where is the exploitation taking place? I mean, because we're, we're talking about consumer stuff right now. And, and that's a big part of it is, you know, ripping off the consumers. Okay. You know, but I think the, the the classic or the the original exploitative point is mostly at, at the point of the employer, right? Em, employer, the, the employer ripping off the employee. Uh, so yeah, to the extent that you don't have employees, you have to be your own slave driver and rip yourself off uh, to in however much you can to to eke out your profit, you know, from your own suffering. It's exploitative no matter how you cut it. It's suffering. It is. It's suffering that we have all bought into as a culture. Not all of us, but <laughs> the vast majority. Yeah, and and have been really indoctrinated. And that's something that I think helps. Because you get to this point where you're like, how the fuck, man? Like, it, I know everyone's <laughs> not stupid, but like, then am I crazy? Because, you know, like, yeah, it's like a second level of atomization. I think like, you're like, what, what, like, how are you like a really cool person, but you don't see this very obvious thing to me. It took a lot for you to get where you are. Right. It Mm -hmm. took a lot for you to figure it out to say, Oh, this, this is not just kind of fucked up and we should, we should make this nicer. This, this is actually based on rotten, uh, on a rotten foundation. 
And I would say I took like an active like, okay, I'm going to learn more about this stance. And most people don't like have the time or energy to do that. Yeah. Like I, st- I started a fucking podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, you guys tune in. You've sort of taken some active steps and everything and, and hopefully have, have gained something from that. There's a lot of people in your life that maybe they're baby socialists or, you know, kind of vague leftists or just the regular people who aren't really political, but disgruntled by, you know, getting kicked around by the system. And yeah, it can be kind of like, I don't know, I think kind of frustrating of like, why aren't they further left? Why aren't they angrier and doing more and saying more shit, calling out the system? Cause I mean, they're living in the same thing I am, right? It's kind of frustrating, but I think that's, Part of the thing you have to step back and look is like, what did it take for you to get where you are on your journey? That That's not easy. Like that, that takes a lot. I mean, I almost liken it to like for me coming from a religious background and then moving to a point where I wasn't like that took a lot of unlearning and a lot of like conscious like, all right, I'm going to step away from it. If I die, I guess I might go to hell. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it, it, you were so invested by that point. It was really hard to take that chance and say, like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting it loose, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it's similar in that you are invested in it. You, you want to think of your life as like having some sort of hope. You want to think of the planet as having hope. You want to think of like the future as moving forward in general, you know. So I think it's really, and you want to think of people as generally good. And like, not always, like, I think there's plenty of people who are cynical and capitalist too. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking more like on the liberal side of things or progressive, whatever you want to call them side of things. There's people who like genuinely are like, I think we can make this work. And I'm like, yeah, in a perfect world, maybe. But like, I don't know. I just, I end up having so many frustrating conversations with people that I'm like, people ask me like, do you think Texas is going to turn blue? And I'm like, why do I have? fucking care <laughs> like and i know i know and i sound no, turning, like an asshole no uh, turning all the 50 states blue is not enough at this point it's not it's <laughs> not and like you can say yeah it would be great harm mitigation i agree but at the end of the day they're what they're gonna do is they're gonna fucking say okay cool trans people you have rights we're not gonna give you health care which is the thing you actually want but great news you've got rights yeah like <laughs> you know like it, it's going to be all all name, all fluff, no no actual material help. Like, we've seen that over and over again. And I'm just done kicking at that football. And that's only looking at what is it going to do for me? What's it going to do for this country? It's not even zooming out and saying, like, just so you know, all the even if we did all the nice things, it would still be on other people's backs. Like, yeah, yeah, I'd be the, the fucking bomber plane with a pride flag on it. Like, that's what it would be. Yeah. Congrats. Everyone's free to exploit other people. Woo. (laughs) (sighs) I don't know. And like, I agree. Like, yeah, lesser of two evils, but like, that's just not going to cut it anymore. Like, that's how you get more evil. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's not an excuse. It's not like a, hey, don't worry about it because of this. But I do think it's helpful to look at other people, look at your broader society through the lens of like where you once were to just to, to kind of have that yeah. empathy of like, well, they're not jackasses. They're not stupid. They're not just mean or whatever, you know, or 
there's not something I don't know because I, I always have a lot of self doubt. There's not something wrong with me for seeing it this way. <laughs> no, me too. Yeah, I'm like, man, maybe I'm the asshole. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe I just need to get with the program. And like, again, I liken it to that religious question of like, fuck, maybe I am wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm super going to hell now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, I don't know. That's that's kind of where I was coming from. It is like, take heart, you know. Yes, and I don't know. I I think it's really really important to find people who do like see this on some level in your real life. Like, it is a relief when I can like talk to you and our friends who are on the same page. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just feels like, oh, okay, I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. So, I mean, as important as it is to get out of your bubble and, like, start nudging people, like, you can do both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should definitely cultivate a bubble. Like, you need a bubble. <laughs> yes, it's, it's Don't a stay in it, but you need one. I have a big general question. Okay. Tell me about Amlo. Is he cool? Did he do cool things? Amlo. I don't know enough about Amlo. So, my understanding is that he's cooler than... The West gives him credit for, like, the United States. The United States is always trying to make him look like a jackass. They're like, oh, look at Amlo. He's old and everything. But it seems like, though, it's only in We're going to make old people president jokes, really? Right. It seems that, you know, oh, he's folksy or something. But it tends to be the more conservative people, the people who generally, you know, align more with the pan and everything, uh, the conservative party there, uh, are are you know more against him and everything and they 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 find more credit but like it, it doesn't seem like he's whole he's, he doesn't seem like a pure leftist kind of guy either also folksy is a plus in mexico like fuck yeah yeah i think so <laughs> um but then you know people will be oh but he's rambly or all this uh his coalition i think was kind of problematic uh, in the sense of having kind of this, having this very Christian group there in it. Oh, okay, yeah. I think we talked about this one time. The Social Encounter Party, Christian Conservatives. Social Encounter. Like there, it's, <laughs> you have to do some persuasion roles. Yeah, yeah. It's extremely D and D ass name. <laughs> so Morena is like his party, and then it made like a electoral alliance with. The Labor Party, Partido del Trabajo, which it's it's PT with a star over it. It's red and yellow. I mean, it's like mm. we're the, we're the That's fucking communists, cool. you know? Yeah, uh, <laughs> not really hiding it. <laughs> uh, those guys, and then this uh, social encounter movement or party which are these Christian conservative types. That's that's the kind of the problem, problematic aspect of them is that they team up in there. That's weird. I wonder what they're doing there. Uh, that's, you know, and that's that's what kind of people, you know, question. And then they say, "Oh, he's not nice to like certain elements of the press and things like that or he holds these press conferences, which I don't it doesn't seem like he's shutting them down, so I'm not entirely sure where they're going at that. Um but it's it's something I do want to kind of read into more is kind of his his origins. My instinct is to say generally because I guess this is where I am sort of centrist is uh, typically other countries' leaders are not as bad as the United States press make them out to be. <laughs> 
Um, they're probably not as good as their own press or their own supporters trump them up to be either. I feel you. And so then it puts me in this awkward position, right? Because then you get into questions about like China or Russia or whatever the hot button stuff is. And it's like, okay, yeah, he's probably not, you know, that country's probably not doing as bad of things as people are saying. They haven't opened the, the human butcher factory quite yeah. yet. <laughs> but they're probably not like up to, uh, you know, as blameless as they themselves would say. I would say generally if you got elected to a, a major, if you got elected to be president, you probably did some shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to, you have some bodies for sure. Uh, another thing is uh, to differentiate like his positions versus his accomplishments. So I know that he stylistically is fairly leftist for a world leader. You know, he's like mm-hmm. left of center for sure. Uh, and comes from that tradition. I mean, he came, I think he came from the PRD, the, the like social democratic party there that split off from the old, the, the, the pre that started out as a left party, like a just basically kind of a social democratic party and then got corrupt and just became a machine split off from that and was like, no, we actually want to like help people and shit. I think that's where we got to start. But what I mean is separating the intentions of, you know, whatever his ideas may be from what he's actually doing. Yeah, oh God. Know. Yeah. So that's another thing, but that that's a, we could probably do an episode on that would be Mexico, Mexico, politics in Mexico, maybe, or that's probably too broad, but like of a certain era. Yeah. Cause I think there's interesting developments there. There's certainly, I think one of the reasons he draws so much ire from the U S is that he does seem to be anti-imperialist. Like he does seem to have mm. the right, you know, notion of, Hey, fucking United States, who gave you any sort of right to come in here and tell us anything about what to do, you know? Yeah, I mean, probably a good good plan if you're in Mexico is to be suspicious of the United States. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's one thing that rubs them the wrong way for sure after having a nice break of leaders who were like, Come on in. Yeah, like, we want to do business <laughs> with you. Like, that's the main thing. We'll sign NAFTA. We'll do all the stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the flip side of that is his enforcement of immigration. So the, mm, you know, that's right. first the Trump and then the Biden administration have, have borne down on Mexico and said, you better enforce immigration at your southern border. And I think that largely they've done that. Really? So that's kind of the flip side of, of that is, you know, maybe there's some anti-imperialism of, hey, we're not going to let the cor- corporations come in here and extract. But are they just are they going to then play that kind of. Uh, what do you call it? Sub imperial mm-hmm. sort of, of state of like, well, we'll enforce your immigration down here for you. Yeah, yeah, good point. So uh, again, that's just from what I've read in in, ma- in mainstream sources. That's I don't know. I think that's a definitely an avenue for exploration. Yeah, yeah. I got to plead not complete ignorance, but not sufficient uh, <laughs> knowledge either. Well, if we have any listeners in Mexico, hi. <laughs> and also send us your thoughts yeah yeah uh, update us obviously there's probably cooler people than emlo down there but uh oh, yeah sure. what, what's what's he who like what's cool the people? system like yeah who are the cool people <laughs> what does the left look like down there any of this shit yeah totally interested because i'll do research but i'm only going to get so far <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else for me i'm i'm waning fast this covid really took it out of me <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, I don't have anything else on the plate. I'm now up to a 98% chance to win because <laughs> we're in the fourth quarter and old G. Davis <laughs> hasn't gotten that many points. But, you know, I mean, he's up 13-6. It's not like you're going to be throwing touchdown strikes to him. So I'm, I'm probably maybe okay. Who knows? Great news. Great news. <laughs> yeah. The Say Communist uh-huh. Party continues to be the Vanguard Party leading the way. Good. Uh <laughs> Yeah, do we want to call it there, or what do you think? I think so. It'll be a little shorty, but hey. Yeah. That's more time for you to go find your nearest country concert and go do plan some antics out front. (laughs) Just burn a flag, why don't you? Or you could Uh, organize, or you could talk to your friends and get them to join a book club and, hmm. you know, talk up raw meat and exercises. Rob a train? There's a lot of stuff you could be doing. That reminds me, I saw this insane video today. Hold on, I've got one more thing. Just one more thing. I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> You're going to watch a video for me, okay? Okay. All right, listeners, all right, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what it is now. It is a, uh, <laughs> a tweet from the best, uh, the best fig N. I don't know. Anyway, um, you can find it. It's a video with the caption public transportation of the future (laughs) it's just really (laughs) shittily rendered i mean it's not badly rendered but it's a stupid fucking video of this like giant like hoagie shaped it's like an observation deck on tracks yes yes basically and it goes in the street and it's so funny because it's little legs lift up to go up and around cars but then like later in the video like oh wait we can just put in the middle (laughs) And they put it in the middle. And it's like, why did you start with that? <laughs> it's so stupid. What the hell? Okay, so then they decide we're going to put it in the middle. Even if there's a big pileup and people are trying <laughs> to extract bodies from there, you're just going to drive over it's it. Gonna, pardon me. Let me lift my big legs. <laughs> I don't get and At the beginning of the video, there was like disaster happening. It's it's so weird. Okay, let me hop back to that again. So Because in the beginning of the video, these cars fuck up. And this thing just, oh, it, it just runs the airbag. into it. Yeah, it, it like killed somebody, I think. It deploys an airbag at the very, like, the top of the observation deck, where nothing is case, going to be protected. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a Google. That's it's pretty a, good. At first, I thought laugh. that this thing was, like, just wrecking through cities <laughs> and stuff. I didn't <laughs> even know, like, the, yeah, that the feet, like, were doing the retracting thing. Because on the road, in the first video, it doesn't do that. It doesn't. It just, it just the slams, slams right into a guy. Oh. The things people will do instead of giving up cars. <laughs> right. Also, this thing is just a fancy. This is a train. It's a fancy, yeah, a fancy uh, tram at least or light rail or metro. It's it's just, it's elevated. Yeah. They made a bad train. That's, I just love the emphasis on the wrecked highways. Out There's always a wreck that they're just like <laughs> flying over like, bitches, you suck. <laughs> Bet you wish you could drive like me. Oh, it's so dumb. Like, okay, they have just this thing later. They're like going down a beach, like a crowded beach. And I'm like, what if you walk in front of the wheels? Is it going to notice you? Oh, it goes like beach level too. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. You got to the beach part. There you go. Okay. Because uh, like earlier it was, it was just like driving over the beach but then it no, like no. brought the track down to the down beach to where and the it's people like are. some kid is like chasing a beach ball <laughs> and then 
it gets hit and the thing deploys its airbags so that it doesn't get hurt by the kid. <laughs> it's insane. I just really love like the most backwards way to engineer train. <laughs> Someone looked at train and was like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, well, we got, we got, this is too streamlined. Everyone's sitting like in a row and stuff and it just kind of zips through places. What we need to do is make everyone in a round thing. A saucer round. And then that way we can move it, but we have to put it up in the air now because it's a saucer. You don't want a big saucer wide track. <laughs> and it like lowers to go underneath bridges, which I'm like, how are you ever going to get enough cars to give you room for that? Like I have so many questions. And <laughs> it, the, the scene where it's where everyone, you see the interior. Oh, everyone's yes. sitting nice and everything. Yeah. Do, do you guys know that like planes used to kind of be like that or you had room? <laughs> Yeah, I can right. imagine being crunched up all there together in your little saucer prison. Oh yeah, death there's trap. not gonna. It's not gonna be roomy. You're not gonna be able to get no. up and get concessions. No way. You're gonna have to pay five times your ticket price to pay to sit in those seats with all the leg room because <laughs> they're on the aisle. Uh, anyway, that was just a stupid video I watched this morning, and it made me laugh. It's so dumb. The transportation of the future. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Well, here's here's hoping. Looks great. I hope tomorrow. I hope to I wake one day be bowled over by one of these things while I'm driving. Yeah, I hope this leg crushes me and then <laughs> safely deploys its own airbag for no reason. <laughs> it could in that like okay, so the thing is, oh, it got hit, so it deploys, right? Can't you put motion sensors on that on the like legs and so when they're about to make in- impact with something, put an airbag there? Like yeah, right? Like, if you have the motion sensors to, like, lift your legs over cars, one, why didn't that work? Two, <laughs> wouldn't you have also sensors for airbags down there instead of up top where nobody needs them? <laughs> Basically, you're just, I pictured it from the inside, like you're sitting there with your fucking bag of chips, and then all of a sudden, pff, a pillow comes out. Yeah, but the, so they're, like, inflatable, re- in, like, deflatable sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. They pop out and then they're like, oh, okay. And you like have a running like bet with your friends. You have a pool. Like how many of, like, times? How many times is going to happen in our journey? <laughs> well, we're going all the way to Chicago. So I've got six. <laughs> I was like, really? Only six? Like I'm going 10, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, it's very good. <laughs> and by very good, I mean the worst. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's so, you know, the old expression is socialism or barbarism. That's the barbarism that we're looking at. <laughs> Big, if we just stupid let Elon Musk come up with our future UFO cable car. Yeah. Oh. That's the future the right wants. <laughs> and then we're fighting for like sensible shit that we know and it works and it's good and it'll increase your lifespan, mm-hmm. increase your happiness, uh, decrease your commute time, increase the amount of time you get to spend with people you love or with yourself. Yeah decrease your work hours yeah it just makes your life better yeah your life will not be held ransom the opposite is frogger (laughs) meets ufo (laughs) it's a choice and it's and you get to and you get to pay for the privilege of riding that death trap (laughs) and when you get hurt on it you have to pay for that too they probably would also make all the roads that weren't that didn't have a track for that thing on it, all the other roads would become toll roads so that you you, know, you pay extra to like not get fucking totally. bowled over by that shit. <laughs> like, I don't want to drive on the same thing as that thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
So make your choice uh, wisely. Socialism or UFO train track thing <laughs> barbarism. The choice is clear. Yeah. I'm going to go fucking sleep. This virus, man. It ain't a joke. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I'm doing okay. next time when we're talking about... Yeah, what are we doing? The second Red Scare. Get ready for a fella named Joey McCarthy. Uh-oh. Yeah, he's kind of an asshole. This is one of those dark chapters that American history is full of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are getting into spooky season. So, a little early, I guess, but that's fine. So, yeah, that's what we'll be talking about um, next week. Alrighty. Talk to you then. Adios. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.